Chapter Fourteen of the Covered Wagon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Covered Wagon by Emerson Hough. The Kiss. It was the wind, Will Banion exclaimed. It was the sky, the earth. It was the fire. I don't know what it was. I swear it was not I who did it. Don't forgive me, but don't blame me. Molly, Molly. It had to be some time, he went on, since she still drew away from him. What chance have I to ask you before now? It's little I have to offer but my love. What do you mean? It will never be at any time, said Molly Wingate slowly her hand touching his no more. What do you yourself mean? He turned to her in agony of soul. You will not let me repent? You will not give me some sort of chance? No, she said coldly. You have had chance enough to be a gentleman as much as when you were in Mexico with other women. But Major William Banion falsified the regimental accounts. I know that, too. I didn't, I couldn't believe it, till now. He remained dumb under this. She went on mercilessly. Oh, yes, Captain Woolhull told us. Yes, he showed us the very vouchers. My father believed it of you, but I didn't. Now I do. Oh, fine. And you're an officer of our army. She blazed at him now, her temper rising. Chance? What more chance did you need? No wonder you couldn't love a girl any other way than this. It would have to be some time, you say. What do you mean? That I'll ever marry a thief? Still, he could not speak. The fire marks showed livid against a pale cheek. Yes, I know you saved me, twice. This time at much risk, resumed the girl. Did you want to pay so soon? You'd... You'd, oh, 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 it was his voice that broke in. He could not speak at all beyond the exclamation under torture. I did not believe that story about you, she added after a long time. But you are not what you looked, not what I thought you were. So what? You say must be sometime is never going to be at all. Did he tell you that about me? demanded Will Banion savagely. Woolhall, did he say that? I have told you, yes. My father knew. No wonder he didn't trust you. How could he? She moved now as though to leave the wagon, but he raised a hand. Wait, he said. Look yonder. You do not have time now to reach the camp. In the high country, a great prairie fire usually or quite often was approached by a heavy rainstorm what banion now indicated was the approach of yet another epic phenomena of the prairies as rapid as colossal and as merciless as the fire itself on the western horizon a low dark bank of clouds lay for miles piled serrated steadily rising opposite to the course of the wind that had driven the fire along it 
and more visibly played almost incessant sheet lightning broke with the rippling zigzag flames a hush had fallen close at hand for now even the frightened breeze of the wind had fled now and then at first doubtful then unmistakable and continuous came the mutter and rumble and at length the steady roll of thunder then lay full in the course of one of the tremulous storms of the high country and as the cloud bank rose and came on swiftly spreading its flanking wings so that nothing may escape the spectacle was terrifying almost as much as that of the fire for unprotected as they were they could make no counter battle against the storm the air grew supercharged with electricity it dripped literally from the barrel of banion's pistol when he took it from the holster to carry it to the wagon he fastened the reins of his horse to a wheel and hastened with other work a pair of trail ropes lay in the wagon he netted them over the wagon top and lashed the ends to the wheels to make the top secure working rapidly eyes on the advancing storm there came a puff then a gust of wind the sky blackened the storm caught the wagon train first there was no interval at all between the grip of the lightning and the crash of thunder as it rolled down on the clustered wagons the electricity at times came not in a sheet or a ragged bolt but in a ball of fire low down close to the ground exploding with giant detonations then came the rain with a blanketing rush of level wind sweeping away the last vestige of the wastrel fires of the emigrant encampment an instant and every human being in the train most of them ill defended by their clothing was drenched by the icy flood one moment the battery of the hail made climax of it all the groaning animals plunged and fell at their picket ropes or broke and fled into the open the remaining cattle caught terror and since there was no corral most of the cows and oxen stampeded down the wind the canvas of the covered wagons made ill defense many of them were stripped off others leaked like sieves mothers sat huddled in their calicoes bending over their tow-shirted young some of them babes in their arms the single jeans garments of the boys gave them no comfort under the wagons and carts wrapped in blankets or patched quilts whose colors dripped they crawled and sat as the air grew strangely chill only wreckage remained when they saw the storm muttering its way across the prairies having done what it could in its elemental wrath to bear the rod to the white men as for banion and molly they sat out in the light wagon the girl wrapped in blankets banion much of the time out in the storm swinging on the ropes to keep the wagon from overturning he had no apparent fear his calm assuaged her own new terrors in spite of her bitter arrangement she was glad that he was here though he hardly spoke to her at all look he exclaimed at last drawing back the flap of the wagon cover look at the rainbow over the cloud banks of the rain-wet sky 
there indeed was now flung bow of promise but this titanic land did all things gigantically this was no mere prismatic arch bridging the clouds the colors were all there yes and all of the unspeakable brilliance and individual distinctness in the scale but they lay like a vast painting mist a mural of some celestial artist flung in masse against the curtain of the night the entire clouded sky miles untold miles was afire all the opals of the universe were melted and cast into a tremendous picture painted by the great spirit of the plains oh wonderful exclaimed the girl it might be the celestial city in the desert promised by the mormon prophet it may be so to them may it be so to us blessed be the name of the lord god of hosts said will banion she looked at him suddenly strangely what sort of man was he after all so full of strange contradictions a savage a criminal yet reverent and devout come he said we can get back now and you must go they will think you are lost he stepped to the saddle of his shivering horse and drew off the poncho which he had spread above the animal instead of using it himself he was wet to the bone with apology he cast a waterproof over molly's shoulders since she now had discarded her blankets he led the way his horse following them they walked in silence in the deep twilight which began to creep across the blackened land all through the storm he had scarcely spoken to her and he spoke but rarely now he was no more than a guide but as she approached safely molly wingate began to reflect on how much she really owed this man he had been a pillar of strength elementally fit to combat all the elements else she had perished wait she had halted at the point of the last hill which lay between them and the wagons they could hear the wailing of the children close at hand he turned inquiringly. she handed back the poncho i'm all right now you're wet you're tired you're burned to pieces won't you come on in not tonight but still she hesitated in her mind they were going on certain processes she could not have predicted an hour earlier i ought to thank you she said i do thank you his utter silence made it hard for her he could see her hesitation which made it hard for him coveting sight of her always loath to leave her now a sudden wave of something a directness and frankness born in some way in this new world apart from civilization like a wind-blown flame irresponsible and irresistible swept over molly wingate's soul as swiftly as unpremeditatedly as it had over his she was now a young woman fit for love disposed for love at the age for love now to her horror the clasp of this man's arm even when repelled in memory returned remained in memory she was frightened that it still remained frightened to her own great curiousness about that he knew what she meant i don't want you to think anything but the truth of me 
if you have deceived people i don't want to deceive you what do you mean he was a man not of many words about that you said it could never be no if it could i would not be stopping here now to say so much he stepped closer frowning what is it you are saying then that a man's a worse brute when he goes as mad as i did i expect not said mary wingate queerly it is very far out here it's some other world i believe and i suppose men have kissed girls i suppose no girl ever married who was not ever kissed what are you saying i said i wanted you to know the truth about a woman about me that's just because it's not ever going to be between us it can't be because of the other matter in mexico if it had not been for that i supposed after a time i wouldn't have minded what you did back there i might have kissed you it must be terrible to feel as you are now so ashamed but after all it was criminal he broke out but even criminals are loved by women they follow them to jail to the gallows they don't mind what the man is they love him they forgive him they stand by him to the very end yes i suppose many a girl loves a man she knows she can never marry usually she marries someone else but kissing that's terrible yes but you will not let me make it splendid and not terrible you say it can never be that means we've got to part well how can i forget i don't suppose you can i don't suppose that that i can what are you going to say don't please don't but she still went on strangely not in the least understanding her own swift change of mood her own intent with him via vis here in the wilderness while we were walking down here just now she said somehow it all began to seem not so wrong it only seemed to stay wrong for you to have deceived me about yourself what you really were when you were in the army i could maybe forgive you up to that far for you did for men are well men but about that other you knew all the time we couldn't couldn't ever i'd never marry a thief the great wistful regret of her voice was a thing not to be escaped she stood a very splendid figure clean and marvelous of heart as she was begrimed and bedraggled of body now her great vital force not abated by what she had gone through she spread her hands just apart and looked at him in what she herself felt was to be the last meeting of their lives in which she could afford to reveal all her soul for once to a man then go about a woman's business of living a life fed on the husk of love given her by some other man he knew that he had seen one more miracle but chastening now he could he must keep down his own eager arms he heard her speak once more her voice like some melancholy bell of vespers of a golden evening oh will banion how could you take a girl's heart and leave her miserable all her life the cry literally broke from her 
it seemed in her own ears the sudden voice of some other woman speaking some unaccountable strange woman whom she never had seen or known in all her life your heart he whispered now close to her in the dusk you were not you did not you but he choked she nodded not brazenly or crudely or coarsely not even bravely but utterly simplistically for the time she was wholly free of woman coquetry it was as though the elements had left her also elemental her words now were of the earth the air the fire the floods of life yes she said i will tell you now because of what you have done for me if you gave me life why shouldn't i give you love if so i could love give me love yes i believe i was going to love you until now although i had promised him you know captain woolhull oh you see i understand a little of what it was to you what made you she spoke disconnectedly i believe i believe i had not cared i believe i could follow a man to the gallows now i will not because you didn't tell me you are a thief i can't trust you but i'll kiss you once for good-bye i'm sorry i'm so sorry being a man he never fathomed her mind at all but being a man slowly gently he took her in his arms drew her tight long long it was till their lips met and long then but he heard her whisper good-bye saw her frank tears felt her slowly a little by a little draw away from him good-bye she said good-bye i would not dare any more ever again oh well banion why did you take away my heart i had but one it is mine he cried savagely no other man in all the world shall ever have it molly but she was gone he did not know how long he stood alone his head bowed on his saddle the raucous howl of the great gray wolf nearby spelt out the lonesome tragedy of his future life for him quaint and sweet philosopher and bold as she but now had been in one great and final imparting of her real self molly wingate was only a weary and bedraggled maid when at length she entered the desolate encampment which stood for home she found her mother sitting on a box under a crude awning and cast herself on her knees her head on the ample bosom that she had known as haven in her childhood she wept now like a little child it's bad said stout mrs wingate not knowing but you're back and alive it looks like we're wrecked and everything's lost and now come nigh about getting all burned up but you're back alive with your ma now now that night molly turned on a sullen pallet which she had made down beside her mother in the great wagon but she slept ill over and over to her lips rose the same question oh will banion will banion why did you take my heart away End of chapter 14